This is Live On Purpose Radio, episode 503, Why the Court is a Terrible Place to Solve Family Problems. Now is the only time to create and live the life you love. I'm Dr. Paul Jenkins, the positivity psychologist. My job is to connect you to powerful positive psychology principles that immediately upgrade your relationships, business, and mental health. Are you ready? Let's jump in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live On Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live On Purpose Radio. I am talking about something I feel passionate about today. The the court is a terrible place to solve family problems. Here's why we're doing this episode. I spent nearly 13 years, maybe more than, 13 years of my career doing child custody evaluations for the court. This is where I, as a professional psychologist, was appointed by the judge to go into families. Now, these are families where there are bitter, angry, divorcing people who can't figure out how to share their kids. This is yuck work, folks. And it it wasn't a lot of fun, honestly. It was some of the most emotionally taxing work that I've ever done as a professional. But I sure learned a lot. And it was such a powerful part of my clinical training and experience that I am so grateful for. Um, because look at the context, okay? You love your children. In fact, there are very few things on the planet that are more important to you than your own kids. Are you with me on this? And when people get married and love each other enough to actually reproduce, and then something goes sour. And there's a lot of reasons why divorces happen. But there's some dynamics here that I want to point out to you that that I think are absolutely essential to understand if you're in this setting or if you know someone who is. And the psychology that happens in a divorce ties back into a concept I call cognitive dissonance. Okay, Cognitive dissonance is when your experience doesn't match your belief or your current understanding of something. And so your brain experiences dissonance. It's like, wait, this doesn't fit. And then your brain works to overcome that dissonance by creating a scenario in which what you're experiencing can actually make sense. Here's how that relates to divorce. It's not okay psychologically to be divorced from a really awesome person. That doesn't make sense. And so the brain tries to compensate for that cognitive dissonance by coming up with a scenario, and it usually involves blame. I either need to blame that person, or I need to blame myself. And given the choice, I'll blame you all day long, right? So, The brain is just trying to resolve the cognitive dissonance. It's not okay for me to be divorced from a really awesome person. So the two acceptable scenarios to resolve the dissonance are 
I'm divorced from the spawn of Satan. Are you kidding me? Who, who could ever live with this person? They are evil incarnate. All right. And I've actually heard those terms from people who were going through child custody evaluations with me. So that's one possible scenario to resolve the dissonance. The other one is there's something wrong with me. I can't be I can't be married to someone. I fail in relationships and either one creates problems. <laughs> okay? But I I've seen this scenario so many times that I would say it's almost universal. Your brain in in the context of a divorce will create or fabricate an ex that you can hate. And that's part of where the problem comes from. So what I'm setting you up for is to understand why the court is a terrible place to solve family problems. What happens when people's brains are resolving the cognitive dissonance around a divorce by saying that the other person is evil? Well, if I can't live with that person, my children certainly shouldn't be exposed to all that evil going on over there. And so there's there's an urgency that is created to protect the children. And what venue do we have to do that? Well, how about diplomacy and communication? No, I don't think so. Not in a highly conflicted divorce, because you can't communicate with someone who is a master manipulator, who is a borderline personality. These are the terms people use to describe their ex. And so it automatically disqualifies the actual best way for parents to work together to solve their family problems. It takes that off of the table. And what do we have left? Well, we're going to court. We hire an attorney. Now, what's an attorney's job? An attorney's job is as an advocate for their client. The attorney's job is not to negotiate or mediate or resolve problems. The attorney's job is to work for you if you've hired the attorney to go represent you and advocate for you in a court of law. Now, the legal system was set up as an adversarial uh, setting. Just wrap your head around that for a minute. It's adversarial. So we have two attorneys at least. Sometimes there's three or four. On some of the cases I was involved with, we had not only an attorney representing dad, and representing mom, but we had another one representing the kids, usually called a guardian ad, ad litem, and sometimes one representing the state from the um, state attorney general's office. Okay, it depends on the the issues that were being contested in the court. But you've got these attorneys in there advocating for whoever hired them. All right. That's who they're working for. They don't work for themselves. They're not a party to the case. They don't care. Honestly, they, it's just their job. Okay. So they're advocating for whoever hired them. And there's a win-lose mentality. I'm giving you the reasons why the court is a terrible place to solve family problems. Everything that I'm mentioning goes contrary to the principles that allow us to establish and maintain successful 
marriages and families. The adversarial setting is, in and of its nature, not conducive to solving a family problem. It's really more of a win-lose kind of mentality. Now, I may be overstating this, but again, I've earned my experience through 13 years of clinical experience working in the courts as an expert witness on child custody cases, as an evaluator in these cases. So that's where I'm coming from with this experience. Okay, hopefully you can see why this is a problem, but let me just spell it out from a psychological and communication standpoint. There was some research done by Dr. John Gottman and Dr. Julie Gottman, the Gottman Institute, you've probably heard of this. They're some of the leading researchers in the, area of, in the area of marriage and family relations. And they found in their massive research studies that they've done, that there's a consistent pattern that leads to the disillusion of or the destruction of a relationship. And Dr. Gottman called it the four horsemen of the apocalypse, criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling. Now, this makes sense. When you look at a relationship, criticism doesn't even have to be real or intended. As long as it's perceived, it works. And in a court of law, people are naturally trying to defend themselves and accuse the other party. It's culpability. Who's to blame? So that's the setting here. And that automatically puts us on to what Dr. Gottman called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And when you're being attacked, what do you want to do? You want to defend yourself. It's a natural reaction that you will have. You want to put up your shield. And then that leads to the next step, contempt, which is where you draw your sword and you start doing a counterattack. And then stonewalling is what Gottman describes as turning away from each other instead of of turning toward each other. Look, the nature of a divorce itself is problematic toward doing the things that actually work. I'm going to get to that in just a minute. But notice that the adversarial setting of the court is counterproductive when it comes to solving problems in a family. Another thing that I hate about this is that when these families who are already in conflict get into a court setting and they're being coached by their attorneys, it reinforces in their mind the adversarial nature of their relationship. I remember in this part of my career, I read a book by Dr. Elizabeth Ellis called Divorce Wars. I don't necessarily recommend it. It's very academic. Now, if you're into this area of practice, then yes, find out what Dr. Ellis wrote about this. She summarized five factors that determine the outcome of divorce for children. What is it in a divorce that affects the kids long term? And number one on that list, I'm not even going to go into all five, but number one on that list was conflict. And number two wasn't even close to the the impact that conflict has on children in a divorce setting. And specifically conflict between the parents about 
the kids. Are you tracking this? Conflict between the parents about the kids. That had the biggest impact on how children either adjusted to or didn't adjust to the divorce of their parents. Number one factor. So when we, when we put parents who are already conflicted into a court setting, it intensifies and magnifies the number one factor that determines the outcome of that divorce for the children. This is a problem. And unfortunately, we don't have a better system in place. The legal system is all we have. And it was not designed to solve family problems. It was designed technically to protect people's rights and to prosecute criminals. Uh, The judicial system is for that purpose. And it's not designed well to solve family problems. Okay, now I could go on and on and on about this, but please hear from me that there are better alternatives. And I understand that some people are going to go that route and that will continue to hurt families. I'm convinced of that. The kind of thinking that drives that adversarial relationship in the court is counterproductive to family relationships. Now, what does work? What does work is nine specific principles. And I'm even going to give you a list of these. Okay, go grab them. Liveonpurposeradio.com. That's the website for our podcast. Liveonpurposeradio.com. Do a little slash nine principles. The number nine, the word principles, all together. Liveonpurposeradio.com slash nine principles. I'll give you a list of them. These principles are proven to establish and maintain successful families. Now, when I say the word family, I include in my definition of family, a multi-household family. Look at this for just a minute from the children's perspective, okay? The kid's perspective is not one of win-lose. The kid's perspective is one of what's happening to my family, okay? They continue to have a mom. They continue to have a dad. Mom and dad have chosen to establish separate households. Therefore, this child now has a multi-household family. You with me? Now, from the perspective of mom or dad, it's like, no, here's our family and that other person is out. Yeah, not true for the kids. I know I'm oversimplifying this, but am I really? Let's look at it from the kid's perspective for a minute. Right here on this show, on Live On Purpose Radio, one of my early guests was Frank Abagnale. You might remember his name from a movie that came out. Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks did a movie called Catch Me If You Can. And it's about one of the most notorious con men in American history. His name was Frank William Abagnale Jr. And Frank was on my show. I got to interview him. Do you know what set him off on that spree of uh, being the most notorious con man in American history? He was actually a teenager when it happened. At the age of 16, his parents divorced. He was put in a position where he was asked to choose one of his parents. He could not handle that choice. It's much too heavy of a burden for a child. 
And so he ran away. And that's when he started to engage in some of the fraudulent activity that made him so famous <laughs> and got him in all kinds of trouble and landed him in prison in three different countries. Fascinating story. But what set him off was this. Let that sink in for a minute. We cannot put our children in that position. Look, they have a multi-household family now. Whether either parent likes that or not, that is the reality for the child. And it is supported by these nine principles. Let me give you a quick summary of what they are. Now, I, I've given you the list. Go get it. Seriously, I'll just send you a PDF. Tell me where to send it. It's absolutely free. LiveOnPurposeRadio.com slash nine principles. I'll put that in your hands. Positivity is number one. Notice how positive most divorce cases are. Yeah, not so much. We have to bring this back. And it is possible. It's not easy. But hey, I'm going to give you stuff that works, not necessarily the easy stuff. You can go somewhere else for that. Positivity, values. I see that when a lot of people go through a divorce, they abandon their values and they become mean, nasty, bitter people. It's just awful. Divorce brings out the worst in people. So values is number two. Stick to your values. Humility is number three. This is where we give up our need to be right in exchange for being open. And you'll have a lot of personal feelings if you're going through a divorce about what is right. And you know that you're right about it. You get to be open. Okay. That changes a lot of things. The next one, forgiveness. <laughs> Do you see how some people overlook this one in a divorce? I, I think if, if being humble is giving up our need to be right in exchange for being open, I think forgiveness is giving up our demand for a better past. And when you think through the logistics of that, you'll see that it's the only rational response. The next one, respect. Uh, what if we all practiced mutual respect as we go through a difficult transition? Love. Now, a lot of people swap this one out for hate. And I, th I think there's only two options. Either we choose love or we choose hate, either a little or a lot. And when I look at the news, um, I can see most of the problems in our society are due to a hate choice rather than a love choice. This, and it's a choice. It's not a feeling. I'm not saying that you should hold hands and sing kumbaya. I'm saying you get to choose love or hate. Let's be clear about which one you are choosing. Compassion is the next one, which is kind of like love. It adds an element of kindness and a willingness to suffer. Interesting roots to that word, compassion. Work, because big surprise, it's going to take a little effort to go where we want to go. Look, default is down. You never get up in the morning and think, huh, I wonder if gravity's on today. It tends to be, right? And it affects you. It pulls you down. That's true in physics. That is true in relationships and in your own psychology, by the way. So an intentional effort to take this to a higher level will be required and there will be plenty 
of forces trying to drag you down, including sometimes the advice of attorneys. I'm not bad mouthing the attorneys. There's a reason for all the jokes, I guess, but um, their role is not well suited for solving family problems. That's what we want to keep in mind. Now, there's some exceptions to that. And I know a few attorneys personally for whom I have a lot of respect because they're able to, as much as they can in that setting, adhere to these nine principles. And it makes all the difference. And then the last one, wholesome recreational activities. What this means is if we're not having fun, we're doing it wrong. Does it have to be a painful, agonizing process? Well, there's some pain, okay, anytime this happens. But I love the way Tim Hansel put this in his book, You Gotta Keep Dancing. He said, pain is inevitable. Misery is optional. When we apply these nine principles, we can successfully establish a, a multi-household family that is conducive to everyone's mental health, the children especially. But what about the parents? I mean, parents are important too. The court is a terrible place to solve family problems, and it's not our only option. If you want some help with this, Let's do what we can to coach you along on how you can apply these principles. Come on over to Live on Purpose Radio forward slash help. If you want some help on this, we've got some trained consultants and coaches that could help you out. I'd be happy to be your coach if it if it fits to help move that forward for you in a productive way. You guys are awesome. It's time to go live on purpose. Did you get what you came for? Give yourself the gift of taking real action on what you realized today. Please share this episode with someone you know would value it and leave us a rating too. It's time now to live on purpose. <laughs>